Welcome to the EntreEd Talk podcast. We are your hosts, Toy Hirschman and Laura McCall. Join us as we dive into incredible stories from inspiring entrepreneurs around the world. Whether you are an educator looking for ideas to engage students, a new learner, or someone who wants to be inspired, our guests' journeys and their ideas will give you resources to create value and take your own leap into entrepreneurship. We are so looking forward to sharing our message with you. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the EntreEd Talk podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone, to the EntreEd Talk podcast. We are so delighted to have Eric Peterson and Amara Kniep with us today from Network Kansas. Network Kansas was established as a component of the Kansas Economic Growth Act of 2004 to further entrepreneurship and small business growth as a priority for economic and community development in the state. Backed by more than 500 resource partners statewide, Network Kansas promotes an entrepreneurial environment by connecting entrepreneurs and small business owners with the expertise, education, and economic resources they need. Network Kansas facilitates the development of an entrepreneurial ecosystem within participating communities through the Entrepreneurship E-Community Partnership. Through in-person relationships with local economic development professionals and their public-private leadership teams, it's clear that contributing factors to successful entrepreneurial and small business development include availability of financial capital, support by local leadership, and development of educational resources. All of these factors combine to increase entrepreneurial activity in participating towns, leading to increased startup activity, business expansion, job creation, and more. To date, the 66 e-communities have provided over 21.5 million in matching loans and grants to over 630 businesses. That is unreal. So I'll give you a little bit of background on Eric and Amara, but they will share more here in a minute. So as the Vice President of Entrepreneurship for Network Kansas, Eric is responsible for all aspects of the Entrepreneurship E-Community Partnerships. Eric began his career in 1990 when he went to work for a Wichita-based technology startup company, Bright Voice Systems. In 1997, he left Bright Voice to co-start a manufactured housing dealership in Wichita. The business was later sold to the largest mobile home manufacturer in the country, Champion Enterprises, and Eric remained with Champion until May of 2005. In May of 2005, Eric was hired to help open Network Kansas for the state. And we also have Amara. Amara grew up in Wichita, Kansas and holds a bachelor's in marketing with a minor in management from Wichita State University. Her professional experience includes both workforce development while working at the Kansas Department of Commerce and economic development, having worked at Network Kansas for a total of seven years. In her current role, Amara oversees statewide programming, including the growth of the Youth Entrepreneurship Challenge, which we will talk about, the Youth Entrepreneurship Challenge series, excuse me, and the development of Venture Dash, which we're excited to dive into as well. So before we do that, can you both just share a little more about your backgrounds and how you got to where you are today in your careers and and your life adventures. Yeah, thank you. And we have followed EntreEd for quite a while. So this is really a treat for us to be a part of it and to meet meet you two ladies. And we met Jean on a Zoom a couple of weeks ago. So we, we have really been excited about this. So um, I'm a native Wichita person. Um, went to a, a college here in Wichita. And my very first job after that was at Bright Voice. You referred to that in the bio. It was a technology company. And the gentleman that owned that company, we were a pretty small company. The guy that owned it, uh, not only was he a fantastic businessman, but he created an environment where if you ever thought you had an inkling to be a business owner or an entrepreneur, he had a way of kind of drawing that out of you. So those were really eight formative years in my life. And then uh, a partner and I, uh, Steve Radley, who's who's here at Network Kansas as well, we we bought a restaurant together and um, didn't do very well at it. We, we failed, failed pretty quickly, but we we knew there were steps we missed. We knew there were things that had we been at this stage of our our knowledge because of Network Kansas, we probably could have done things different. So we we scraped up what we had left and we started a mobile home dealership. I know that uh, the path of technology to a restaurant to mobile homes is not not very traditional, but it was our path, and and that one worked well. Uh, we owned that, sold it, and then the state of Kansas hired us to open this organization in May of '05. So I've been here 
from, from day one of, of Network Kansas. And um, the, the things I do now uh, absolutely dovetail into the, the things that I not only succeeded at, but failed at in my earlier life. So uh, that's a little more about me and I appreciate you asking. Cool, I'm excited about your entrepreneurial background. And we have a friend who said, recently, I want to get a bumper sticker of it, that all, all new businesses have a great story. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, and they fail, Eric. You're a company here. <laughs> no, we, we certainly got some good stories out of it. And that's a part of it. You, you learn from them. And, and there's nothing wrong with having some things where when you're older, and you're sitting around the fire with, with other people, you can share some stories, good, bad, and in between and have some good chuckles about it. So that's fine. Amara, would you like to share? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my journey to where I am today really for me started in college. Um, I studied business in college and I had been inspired to do that by my dad. Um, he worked in, mostly in sales, but in business for a variety of companies, small business, large corporations. Um, sometimes when I was growing up, he would take me to work with him. And so that's when I kind of got to first observe, you know, business and commerce. And I was always really interested in and admired that. So I knew I wanted to study that in college. Um, and so I, I went to Wichita State. I graduated with a marketing degree. And while I was there, um, I had a good friend that I had known for most of my life. Um, she was actually working at Network Kansas part-time in the referral center. Um, and so she was leaving that job and she recommended that I applied to take her place. And at this point, I didn't really know anything about Network Kansas. And even though I was in the business school and really interested in business, I actually didn't really know that much about entrepreneurship. I didn't know anyone that was an entrepreneur, didn't have a background in that. So I think I kind of stumbled onto a great opportunity um, and it was kind of dumb luck, but I'm, I'm a very lucky person. Um, so I remember interviewing for that job and kind of researching what is Network Kansas and seeing all the stuff that Network Kansas does and feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot of different aspects to growing entrepreneurship ecosystems and Network Kansas is involved in most of those aspects. So I think it's, um, it's a really great company. I was blessed to get that job. Um, I worked part-time for several years in the Network Kansas Referral Center. Um, and I do feel very lucky um, because it's, it's great to work for a, a company that you know what you do makes a difference and you're part of something bigger than yourself. Um, but back then, Network Kansas was pretty small. So I uh, didn't really have any opportunity at that point to work full-time. When I graduated college, I decided I really need a, a full-time position. So that's when I left at that point um, to work for the Department of Commerce, and I spent about two years there. And I think that was a really great time for me. I worked in workforce development, and it was fulfilling in its own way. But during that time, I think it really showed me where I was meant to be and what I was supposed to do, because I really missed Network Kansas. And thankfully, I had great connections there. I had put down some roots. And so um, I ended up getting hired back there when, when a full-time position became available. And for me, I think that all things happen for a reason. Um, I strongly believe that. And I think that I ended up in the perfect position for me. Um, like I said, Network Kansas does a lot of things. And I think out of all the things that we do, the position that I have is best suited to me. Um, I consider myself an extremely lucky person. I wake up every day to a job that I love doing. Um, I get to oversee five um, educational programs that I believe make a huge difference for entrepreneurs, especially the YEC series. And so um, I'm just very blessed by that. I'm just listening and this is awesome. I think you hit on what we like to say, a lot of tenets of entrepreneurship, Amara. Um, you know, you look for an opportunity and we talk often about having an interest. And I think, you know, you're talking about being a college graduate and coming out and kind of, what am I going to do and sorting through life and, and not maybe having the passion yet, but you had the interest and the peak and you saw the opportunity and then you grabbed it. And it sounds like it really did grow into a passion, which, you know, it's always fun to watch yourself and watch your friends and colleagues do the same. Um, yes. 
Yeah, Eric, tell me, I'm overwhelmed by these 66 e-communities. Um, can you guys both speak to, and I guess Eric first, of how you guys grew it, what Network Kansas does to uplift those communities, and you know, maybe kind of how it fits into your whole process? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. And Amara referred to a term entrepreneurial ecosystems when she was talking. And it's a popular word. It's kind of become popular the last handful of years. And, and we believe it. We buy into it completely. Uh, sometimes that word, those two words together, are a little tough for people to understand. It's hard to really know what that means. And so uh, sometimes we kind of use the words entrepreneurship-led economic development. Uh, as a way to maybe boil it down into a little uh, easier to digest words. Mm -hmm. And for us, it, it really comes down to, uh, and most of the work we do is in rural communities or distressed areas of urban communities. And it comes down to us recognizing or knowing that a community, they understand that attraction is an important part of their job as an economic developer or a chamber developer. Attraction is important. I don't want to belie that in any way, but oftentimes the ROI that goes with the time and the effort spent to, to pursue a, a, a business moving in, relocating in, doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense sometimes. And so we tend to work more from a grow your own mentality, create an environment that lets the, the community foster their own, grow your own. And, and so uh, th that's where the idea of e-community came about. And at its core, it's, it's taking an asset, empowering a community, creating a close partnership, and then making progress on local goals that they deem strategic. And so at its core, here's really what it is in a, in a brief way. We utilize some assets that the state gives us, some money the state gives us. And we let each one of those 66 communities have an amount of money. It's still our money, but they have complete decision-making control to loan out to businesses in their community. So we say, we're going to give you hundred or $150,000 this year and you decide what businesses to loan it to. Now, it's an if-then thing. In exchange for that gap financing, because it truly is gap financing, it's after the bank, it's after other forms of capital, it's risk money, but it helps get a deal done in a rural community that maybe can't cash flow or doesn't have enough collateral. So if we're gonna give you that money, we'd like you to have a local leadership team. Maybe it's an ED board, maybe it's a chamber board, maybe it's a visioning committee that has agreed to meet regularly. We prefer monthly, we kind of default to regularly. We have staff throughout the state. So we will have, and each of them work with 15 or 16 of those 66. So we would like you to meet regularly with one of our staff there for the most part in the last three or four months. It's it's been Zoom, but that's a, it's worked fine. We've all learned to adapt to this new, new world. And let's talk about the environment in your community. Let's set goals. Let's see how we can make progress on goals to maybe help facilitate more startups or give the tools to the main street businesses they need or help a transition happen from one generation to the next. And so we act as kind of that conduit to say, community X, what do you believe are the priorities? And then how can we help you make progress on those? And if it's a nice two-way relationship, then the next year we provide access to more capital. And so that we utilize the, the loan funds as kind of the carrot in my mind to give us a seat at the table with that local community to make progress. And that's what the e-community is, uh, 66 of those across the state. It's a very competitive process. Uh, we only want to work with those we have very good, close relationships with, and that we believe when the, the rubber meets the road, they're gonna, they're gonna make progress on things. 
And so that that's what that's kind of the core of this program that Amara and I both work in along with five or six other people at our organization. Wow. So quick curveball. Sorry, Toy, one quick aside, because it's an amazing framework. Uh, do other states do this? Is this unique to Kansas? Um, when, when, uh, when we were hired, we first asked, can we, what other, what are other states doing that we can copy rather than have to create? Um, not a lot of states are doing this. We're over the last five or six years, we've had several states reach out to us and say, can you take us through a e-community 101? Help us understand what we can do in whatever state to create this process and structure that you have done uh, in Kansas. And so some of our time has been spent trying to help teach other states about, about that. So um, yes, some are beginning to move that direction. And, and let's be honest, there may be some doing exactly what I just said. I'm just not aware of it. That's really, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a great question, Laura, because I think it's a really important point that I mean what you're doing it's like a win-win right so so you the states letting you make decisions on you know where to put these funds and then these communities are uplifting the the entrepreneurship ecosystem but at the same time like you're you're, you're giving them the tools that they need to do that so I think it's just it's a really cool it's a really cool idea and I love you mentioned the main main street communities and we have that kind of thing in, in, in Maryland where I am and it's neat. We, we are, our, my town is one. And um, we've had a lot of new businesses come in recently because of some of the things that they've been able to do. So I think that's a, I think it's a neat project. Um, I'm interested if you could share, uh, either one of you share um, a, an example of one of these communities, like maybe a fun one, a really cool, maybe one that didn't go so well and you had to fix <laughs> If you could share an example so that the audience can kind of wrap their head around what what you're what you're talking about. You know, Amara and I kicked around earlier this, and there are dozens and dozens of neat examples that have come out of our communities. It 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 feels kind of odd to try and pick one or two out and and leave out the other, you know, fifty neat ideas that came to mind. Um, but but I think we could just share a couple of very quick examples of something neat that's come out of it. Uh, one that comes to mind is there's a county in, in extreme northwest Kansas that uh, through kind of their strategic conversations chose to want to focus on engaging uh, youth a little bit in a, in a computer science and coding initiative and maybe that growing the mindset of uh, the development of a remote workforce and seeing where this could lead to. And so they really about a year, year and a half ago, they cobbled together a bunch of desks and computers and they bought some, some curriculum for teaching kids how to do basic coding, just the most basic. These are elementary school kids so you understand the basic kind of coding and they used a space in downtown they envisioned that they might have three to four dozen students that would want to be a part of this now i should mention the town is about 2500 people phillipsburg kansas they ended up having over 350 kids Whoa. utilize this space just to learn the basics of coding and begin to see how fun it is to do those kind of things. And so you can just easily see a natural transition growth as to where some of those kids could take this and to begin to latch onto it in middle school and high school, and it can feed into other things. So that's a neat story that came out of a, a community. And, and I, I know Amara has one. I'll let, I'll let you share that if you want to. Sure. Um, so we have a community called Montgomery County, uh, which is down in the southeast corner of Kansas. And our point person there is Jim Carell, who is the director of the Fab Lab or Makerspace at Independence Community College. And Montgomery County has been a fantastic e-community. They've done a lot with loans. Um, they've engaged pretty much every one of our educational programs 
they really have a passion for doing a lot for community entrepreneurs. And Jim really believes um, in the power of makerspaces as a key part of economic development. Um, they have a lot of entrepreneurs that can come to their makerspace and use it to create their products um, at a much cheaper cost than they would be able to otherwise, for example. So a few years ago, Jim approached us and asked if he could work with us to create a board certified program, which is basically just a program that our board approves of and e-communities can use um, some of our funds to pay for, to attend. Um, and he wanted to create Makerspace Bootcamp as a program. And so um, we were delighted by that and worked with him on how to develop that. Um, and so it's been going for a few years where um, communities, we've had a lot of e-communities utilize it, but any community could go. Um, I know Jim has had even some people from out of state go to this camp where they can go and kind of learn the ins and outs of makerspaces and how those work and how to get started. And they can ask questions about funding and, and those kinds of things. So that's been very successful. And with our e-communities, we've seen some have very great success with that. Um, there's a lady out in Western Kansas, um, Leanne Seiler in Hodgman County went to Makerspace Bootcamp and has since been able to go back to her community and actually create a makerspace. Um, and she's done a lot there also with engaging kids, especially elementary school kids, the younger kids in coding and making and those kinds of things. So those are some successes that we're really excited about. Let me, let me, let me piggyback on what Amara said about those two. When, he, when she mentioned uh, the Fab Lab in Independence and then Leanne Seiler in, in Southwest Kansas. So a couple of months ago, as, as we're all living through this COVID uh, situation, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas uh, stepped up and wanted to provide grants to businesses that were making PPE that were that to help them continue their process. And so as we uh, started to look out across the state and find those businesses that were doing that, that could use more money to help them accelerate their process, the, a lot of the normal players you would think of came came to mind and rose to the top. But what we found out that was that both of these two fab labs, these maker spaces, they were creating out of their 3D printers and things, masks and swabs and things like that. And so both of these two were very rural community maker spaces were granted money from Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthy Money to continue to grow their work. So out of this little you know, makerspace thing that Amara was told about a few years ago and kind of grew into this boot camp, these kind of outcomes are happening across the state. So that, that's, that's really fun to talk about. It's, you know, the makerspace thing, I think so many people misunderstand it. And, and it's this in fab lab, and people kind of want to know, what do you do with it? And then I think COVID, if nothing else, has really brought to light a lot of those um, we've heard about one in North Carolina that met the million mask challenge and they produced same, some high school students mask. And it's just fabulous because it's really given people a um, finite way to understand what's actually possible out of a makerspace. You're, that's a great point because you're right. I think for the lay person, it's, it's hard to visualize the concept of there's, you know, in this building, a CNC printer and a, Three, you know, 3D printer, CNC laser cutter, and all this other equipment. And what, how does this really work? And it, it is, it's kind of hard. It's not black and white enough for a lot of people to grasp what it looks like. So when you hear those examples and see the outcomes, I think you're exactly right, Laura. It helps people see the importance that a lot of those are making in rural communities. Mm -hmm. And you guys gave us a great segue or something we wanted to Talk to you about. So we're, of course, huge cheerleaders of the K through 12. Uh, Julio is a group of folks, K through 14 as well. So you have the Youth Entrepreneurship Challenge. We'd love to hear more about that process and how it works in Kansas. Well, well, Amar is certainly the one that I want to, to share about this. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to give a very brief kind of intro. Uh, a lot of the things that, that we do, this makerspace we just talked about, it's a great example. People tell us about, they bring to us and say, hey, you need to experience this because I bet more of your communities will want to do something like this. And so six, eight years ago, I guess, uh, a couple of uh, 
pretty small communities in Northwest Kansas came to me and said, you need to come see what we're doing with youth. And so I went up and, and judged their one day youth entrepreneurship competition and saw for, for firsthand what it was and how excited the students were. And then we began to kind of latch on to it and help expand it into other communities and facilitate it, knowing that the communities, the ED people, the teachers, the students, they get all the credit. Uh, the work they're doing is really neat. But it started there. and But for the last handful of years, uh, Amara has just masterfully overseen that. So I, I want to let her kind of share how it's grown from there. Thanks, Eric. So like he said, um, this program has been going for quite a while. Um, it was 2013-2014 academic year that this started um, up in the northwest corner of Kansas. And it was just five communities that were engaged in this kind of grassroots effort to grow youth entrepreneurship in their counties. So um, when we get got in on it, of course, it was just that northwest corner. And um, that year culminated with a regional championship for Northwest Kansas. Um, so we were kind of saying, how can we keep this going? And tried to really get it growing across Kansas. Um, I believe second or third year, it expanded down into Southeast Kansas. So that opposite corner, we had some communities engaged again in the grassroots effort. Um, and that year we held um, a Northwest championship and a Southeast championship. So we had those two regional championships. And eventually we were able to grow this program statewide to where we got communities all over Kansas participating. So um, like I said, that first year was the five competitions and we had 48 kids. Um, and this past year, the 2019-2020 uh, academic year, we finished with um, 44 local competitions across the state and we had 793 kids participate. And that's even with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we did have some um, communities that were able to pivot to virtual competitions. And unfortunately, we did have a few that had to cancel their competition. So had that not happened, we would have had even greater participation. But it's numbers that we're really proud of. Um, over the seven years, we've had a total of 168 competitions. And we've been able to serve over 3,200 Kansas students and expose them to youth entrepreneurship. So that's something that we're um, incredibly proud of. It's our passion. We're very blessed to work with Kansas State University. Um, we have a statewide championship now that K-State organizes, and we work in partnership with them to where um, the winner of each local YDC event qualifies to automatically go to K-State's competition. And then they also have a handful of wildcard applications that kids can apply for and possibly get into the competition that way. So K-State has been a fantastic partner over the years. They've done a lot to work with us to get feedback from the teachers and students and organizers and continue to tweak the competition in a way that really serves the students. Um, this past year, they were implementing a mock boardroom, which is where the students kind of, they get their questions ahead of time and then they do, instead of um, like an elevator pitch or a formal presentation, they do a Q&A with judges. And so it's more interactive and kind of focuses more on that mentorship aspect. So it's it's been an incredible journey for us um, and something that we're excited to keep growing. Um, this late summer, early fall, we're going to kick off another year. And so we, we couldn't be more excited about that. And you know, there's for all of the, the the money that comes with all of these local events and the state championship, that, that's that's fantastic. But we tell people so often, and, and you two ladies will fully understand this, that when we go to one of these communities or even the state championship and you see this middle school young man or young lady or a high school student standing in front of their tabletop display, dressed in their dockers and their, their nice button-up shirt. And there's uh, four or five adults standing in front of them asking them real questions about competition or maybe their pricing. And they're shaking their hand, they're meet, making eye contact, they're answering the questions from these adults. You realize that this is, this is really neat, the competition and the money. But the skills those kids are getting 
at that age is going to advance them so far down the road just with those life skills of communicating and the things I just described that it's kind of this ancillary, really neat benefit that comes out of it too. Amen. We say that's what, that's what we all that's our kind of our mantra with Andre Ed and 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 making sure that like people were it's it's it is it's a weird concept to understand, but you know, even if a student doesn't decide to start a business later in life, it doesn't, I mean, it matters, but it, but it doesn't really matter in terms of the learning process is still so powerful. Yeah. So that's exactly, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. That's, yes. the, that's the point. So we're done. We can just stop the podcast. and. <laughs> and cool. That was fun. Thanks. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a, the, so, something I'm curious about when you're talking about the challenge, is there a process and it might be different in different places, but is there a process that the schools go through? Um, is there like a curriculum or any kind of guidance around, you know, what the, what students do in, in school or with the school to get ready for the challenge? So we do have some resources that we um, give them access to on Venture Dash, which I'll be talking a little bit about later. But overall, um, there's not a standardized curriculum. It's more so up to each teacher, how they want to teach it. Um, and so we have a lot of really successful teachers that teach a wide variety of subjects. Um, so there are some teachers that are teaching entrepreneurship, but then we have other teachers that teach English or math or computer applications. Um, really what we found with our YEC series is the community person who organizes the event, you know, usually our e-community point person will approach the schools and they find whatever teacher is willing to work with them on this. Um, we call them teacher champions. So somebody who's passionate about um, and a championship of entrepreneurship and they kind of take it from there and figure out how they want to implement it into their curriculum. We do provide them with some resources, like we'll say, okay, here's some articles on or guides about how a student could write an executive summary, but it's not one standardized curriculum where they all have to do it the same, if that makes sense. What, what's kind of neat is that, uh, and Amara said that exactly right, and you know, the, the teachers make such a huge difference, and they're, they, to, to have those teachers that are just on fire to help introduce entrepreneurship to those kids, and you can just feel the energy when you're in the room with them. And, and Amar and I just love surrounding ourselves with them because it's a fun day when we're, when we're with them. And truly one of the, uh, I guess, quote unquote gaps has been what is that maybe curriculum for lack of a better word to help them get those students to a point where they can provide an executive summary for the YEC. Well, uh, I think what speaks to kind of some of the good work that maybe all of our e-communities and Amara and the others on our staff are doing with YEC is the fact that we have people kind of reaching out to us to help fill some of those gaps to help us. We, we just had a, a, a telco in Kansas that worked on a grant to, to get some curriculum to fill that gap and is now reaching out to Amara saying, hey, we think we can do this to help you lead students more in a more prepared way to your YEC day. And so it just makes it a more collaborative statewide kind of a process. And so um, I, I think it just speaks to how this grows each year. Right. Well, it's, it's so I mean, you talk about, I guess I was talking to someone on the phone recently this week, and they called it exponential energy that we all start to share. And, and you guys talk about going to these events. Toy and I had the same experience. We run STEM days, STEAM days, and we have a blast. We yeah. we love getting in the school and seeing the kids light, you know, eyeballs light up, and and um, so it's a passion that you guys. It, it's so clear, and, and I also want to say I'm really, you guys really live what you say. You've given us so many examples already today of um, businesses and communities, and you you've given us a lot of words that the teacher champions and the e you know e community representatives and the Blue Cross and the, you know, the various companies. And you really you know, can tell that this, it is truly a network. And, it, and we talk yeah. about building global communities and you guys have built that global community in, in Kansas. So Amara mentioned um, Venture Dash. And of course we're dying to hear about that. 
and how you know that has grown and it, can other people develop a venture dash? Tell us more about its services. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so a couple years ago, YEC um, was really how the idea for Venture Dash came about because we had, you know, a lot of our competitions that were running their local competitions um, on paper or with spreadsheets. And then one year in 2017, we before our partnership with K-State, we hosted a, cha- a state championship on our own. And we kind of got insight with that to see how much of a struggle it is to organize everything with just pen and paper, which is spreadsheets. Um, When we did our state championship in Hayes, um, a lot of us traveled from Wichita lugging, you know, huge bins of pen and paper to organize everything. And so we kind of thought, you know, what can we do to help these communities organize um, their competition more efficiently? And so we had the idea that we would build an online system that was basically a hub for all resources um, to successfully plan a competition from start to finish. And so um, we designed something that we were calling the YEC portal, which was a rudimentary tool that we designed in-house. We had an employee that designed that on the NAC software. Um, And we used that for a couple of years and it worked really well, but it had some limitations that we eventually outgrew. So last year, we said we need to make this bigger and better. Um, We want to make this specifically for YEC, but we want it also to be open to everyone who wants to do a business or entrepreneurship competition. So we started working with a local software developer called Moonbase Labs, and they're in Wichita, Kansas also. Uh, This was last year, actually, also in July of 2019. And since then, we've been about a year in development and we've spent over $100,000 developing this system. And so it's basically like <clears throat> a bigger and better um, YEC portal. It's, but it's not just for YEC, it's for any business or entrepreneurship competition. It's very easy to use. We've got a really nice, sleek user interface. <clears throat> we've got a robust library of resources in there for competition planning. So if somebody wants to plan a competition, but they don't really know where to start, they can sign up for Venture Dash. Um, And one of the neat things about it is that you can basically build your entire competition in there um, without having to pay. So you can really get a feel for how the software is and what you can do with it. Um, And then when you pay for the services, whenever you decide to actually publish the competition. Um, So like, let's say, you know, somebody wants to do a business competition at the local level, but they don't really know where to start. They can sign up for Venture Dash and they can check out our resource library so they can read all of the resources, um, our recommendations on, you know, what we've had success with 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 YEC. And then there's also a planning timeline in there that literally takes them step by step, uh, start to finish on how to build a competition. So uh, our tagline is Venture Dash is the best way to run a business competition. And that's something that we stand behind and we truly believe. And so we're really excited to be launching it on July 27th. And, and Amari, if you would, I'm sorry for interrupting ladies, but uh, don't, don't forget if you'd maybe kind of build on yourself with that and talk about how it can also enable the judging and the scoring and the rubric and that kind of part as well. Cause I think that's <laughs> something that was always a paper hassle with our old yes <laughs> yes thank you um yeah so like he said the with the pen and the paper and even with the spreadsheets that was a lot for judging um so let's say you go to a competition and it's a large one and you have 10 to 12 judges and you have to get you have three different components that they're judging and you have to get all these paper sheets for all of the components from each of the judges and you have to tally those up and Sometimes it could take up to an hour to figure out scores and who won the competition. So um, that was another problem that we aimed to solve with Venture Dash is that there is an online scoring system in there to where the students, they sign up for Venture Dash. They create their account to sign up for the competition. They can submit their executive summary or PowerPoint or whatever other materials you want them to submit. The judges can log in and review them. The materials in Venture Dash, or if they're giving like an elevator pitch or a four-minute presentation, um, maybe the judges are in the room with them and they've got a laptop and they're on Venture Dash and they can enter their scores on there. 
So basically all of the judges enter their scores into the system and then it will automatically calculate the winner right away. So there's no time delay on who, who won and you have to take time to calculate and see. And maybe that takes up to an hour. Uh, but instead with VentureDash, it's pretty much instant where the computer just does that for you. You get a nice little leaderboard where you can see the list of winners in what order. And so um, that's a huge time saver for organizers. That is super slick. Wow. That's so cool. Like I've, I've done some judging and not even a big competition, like a smaller one. And it does, it, it's for, as a judge, it's kind of a headache because it's just, it's just a lot of paper and figure out, Oh wait, who, wait, I've, and then I, do you think about this other person over here? And then you think, about, and then, and then Laura and I, with our, with our national forum, we do a, sort of a small two pitch competition with teachers. It's kind of like a, it's kind of meta, um, but they like, <laughs> they pitch ideas on how they're going to, do the things in their classroom and then to win some money. It's, it's really cool. But just having our judges do that, if there's always that huge delay, we try to like have a lunch or something because the <laughs> <laughs> process. So that's really cool. It's usually involved, right? Right. Wow. Well, and yes. you know, we uh, obviously COVID derailed everything everybody was doing. So, and it derailed this and our, we were going to utilize it for the state championship at K-State this year and, and all that stuff. But what was really neat was, um, Kansas State University, they put on a wonderful university entrepreneurship competition, a collegiate one. And then they began to host our high school and middle school one as well. So they used this, our old system, and commented to us that it was, easy, it was easier to use than other things they had used in the past. And we thought, wow, because it really, as Amara said, was pretty rudimentary and and we felt like it was really pretty basic and but they thought it was even easier to use than what they had done in the past so they helped us uh provide input and design this new one and so we're just chomping at the bit for for something you know normal to to allow us to to get back to utilizing this um and uh I, I'm going to digress, but that's okay for a second. Um, a, a lady in Wichita is just as wonderful of an advocate for youth entrepreneurship as you could ever meet. A lady named Marquita Atkins and her and Amara work closely together on various initiatives. Well, she approached Amara a couple of months ago and said, I'd like to put on a youth virtual entrepreneurship competition while everybody's at home. Let the kids use their phone, take any household item, and just make a video, two, three minute video of how they would turn that household item into a business. Submit it. Well, Amara was, was smart enough to think, hey, here's a way to kind of get another beta test out of Venture Dash. Let's do it. Well, we so A, we got another chance to test it, but I got to tell you how cool it was to see some of these first and second graders post these videos. And they were the cutest and neat and well done things that you could ever imagine coming out of them in their living room talking about a particular household item and how it was going to be their business down the road. And uh, so uh, we're we're really chomping at the bit for the chance to to do more fun things with this. We might want to borrow a video or two. We're just having that conversation with our staff recently about how do we highlight what kids are doing that's you know i think that's so true that sometimes the young ones that really blow you out of the water well they, they're they're still outside the box in their mind there's no barrier they don't have any blinders on no you should and see it's just yeah it was it was not only neat but it was really cute at the same time that's awesome i was curious um because a lot of times um with like it might be an intimidating thing. Like you said, you guys find these teacher champions and we kind of are the same way when we go into school systems to, because we, we do, you know, entrepreneurial culture change within schools. Um, but when you, when, when you meet a teacher, an educator, or when the, the local e-community reaches out to the educator, is there any advice that you might give, that you might give that person? Because it, it might be a little bit intimidating, I would think. And you know, you do have to find those people that are willing to just go, okay, I'm in. Let's, you know, is there any advice you might give to an educator who's, who might be listening to this and thinking, oh, that's really cool. But again, where do I start and what do I do? Yeah, um, I have a couple pieces of advice, two things really. 
So um, like I mentioned, we have some educators within YEC that are not entrepreneurship teachers. Um, and so that would be my first piece of advice is to really try to think outside of the box. Um, you know, sometimes when a teacher first hears about an entrepreneurial initiative like YEC or something similar, they might think, well, that's really cool, but I can't do that because I'm not teaching entrepreneurship. Um, and so we want you to know that that's not necessarily the case. Um, we've had a lot of teachers that have found ways to fit these lessons into their um, their curriculum and their lesson plans. So for example, um, like a math teacher might teach this project and really put maybe a little bit more emphasis on the financials and that math piece, or an English teacher might teach this project and put a little bit of more emphasis on writing the executive summary. So there's still ways that you can make this fit into different curriculums. Um, there's a teacher up in Norton, Kansas, who is just incredible, and she is a computer applications teacher. And so um, one of her big, she has them do YEC, and one of the big things that they get graded on is they design um, like a flyer or some sort of promotional piece for their business. And um, that fits into the computer applications that she teaches. So I would definitely say think outside the box, know that you don't have to just be teaching entrepreneurship. And my other piece of advice is to really try to get the kids to think about their community and try to get them to feel more connected. We also have a handful of teachers that do really neat things like um, community building tours. So they might take a, a group of students on a tour of downtown and kind of look at some of the empty buildings and try to get the kids to use their imagination to think what could be in those buildings? What's a need in the community that I could fill? What's a need that doesn't exist yet? Um, what's a problem that I could solve? And so it really gets the kids thinking and using their imagination. And, and then it's just off to the races from there. What I think I'm hearing you say is that every teacher can teach entrepreneurship. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Totally agree. I think that's what I heard. Again, in these STEM days, we've had folks show up, and it's almost like the English of the art teachers are apologetic. I'm sorry, the science math people couldn't come today. We're like, that's fine. Let us engage you. And, right. and I think once they see, like you said, let the games begin, let it start rolling, then they realize, oh, yeah. And maybe they've been doing it all along, too. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I've been to Kansas. Love it. It's a gorgeous state, but it's geographically challenging because it's so big. And I think with these e-communities, you guys have done a fabulous way of bringing the state closer together. And you talked about examples from you know, various points of the state, and I love that. So I was just trying to Im you know, imagine when it, I was driving across the state years and years ago, you know, it was so pretty, and it was the summertime, and I thought, man, this is a long drive. Am I ever going to get out of Kansas? So I could, you know, congrats to getting all, you know, pulling it all together. Um, that's, it is an incredible network. So speaking of networks, guys, and this is, gosh, this has been fun. This time flew. We want to be able to have folks get in touch with you. I'm sure lots of people are going to want to find out more about Venture Dash and that resource and the YEC. So what are the best ways to reach out to you guys? Certainly the, the, the website is the easiest, um, networkkansas.com. Uh, and the, uh, Amara, I messed, I messed it up the other day. Remind me the URL for Venture Dash, please. So Venture Dash is goventuredash.com. And you can go there and sign up for an email list if you would like to be um, receiving updates on the development of that. And then one other thing I wanted to mention, if you go to our networkkansas.com site, we have a blog where we feature quite a few success stories. So if you're interested in seeing some specific YEC success stories about some of the students or just other businesses that have participated in some of our other programs, you can read those there too. And we, uh, we have July 27th set as our official launch date of Venture Dash. And we're right now kind of working on trying to find ways to offer a free competition or two for people that uh, take advantage of either the mailing list or we may have a competition that we'll put up there. We're working through that now, but, but anybody that's listening, if you just go and, and check that out, you'll, you'll hear more about it in the coming days. 
I think Troy and I will be your first two new subscribers. I'm going on in a few minutes and getting that new <laughs> We should, we should, um, we should awesome. sign up for, and we should do my lotion bottle idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I know, but it's a good one. It's a you know, as you were talking about, Laura, that the size of the state can be a challenge and and we all have. And so Amara and I travel a fair amount as our whole staff does. It's not just us. We all travel a lot. And and it's funny how sometimes uh, you're not excited to go to a particular meeting. Oh, no, I have to drive two hours to here or three hours to here. What's amazing is that as Amara is reaching out to our staff, trying to uh, ask for help with judges at particular YEC events, those are the ones that everybody raises their hand for. Everybody wants to go to those meetings because it's it's one of the cooler things we get to do all year is go go to a school and watch these students stand up and 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 talk about what they've created. And and you ladies certainly know that's as energizing as anything you get to do. Well, then maybe you should put a criteria, Eric, on that. Okay, you have to go to for three monthly just flat out meetings before you're allowed to be the fun judge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a good point. You have to you have to go to three normal, boring Eric Peterson meetings before you can go to any of them are cool factor. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Feeling that there aren't any boring Eric Peterson meetings. <laughs> <laughs> we I told Laura going into this, I was like, the only problem we're gonna have with this podcast is is ending on time because it's not gonna <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of ending on time, oh my gosh, we have so much more we could we could talk about, but I just, we both are just so grateful for you two to, to have been our guests today. And I think that we will definitely be coming back at you for a second episode at some point, because there's just so much. And we can't wait to hear about Venture Dash and how it takes off and how people are using it and, and in the in IRL, in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> but we just thank you so much and appreciate your time today. Thank you. I, I know both Amara and I have been fans and followers of Entre Ed for several years and have listened to several other podcasts of yours. So it's an absolute pleasure to get a chance to, to start the dialogue today with you, with you ladies. And we look forward to more in the future. Thank you again for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for having us.